Blocker Show, starring Trey Blocker and Charlie Hodge, with today's special guest, Attorney General Ken Paxton. And here's Trey Blocker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Trey Blocker Show. We are very honored today to have Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton in our midst. How are you this afternoon? Doing well. It's a beautiful day in Austin. It is a beautiful day in Austin. You know, I was thinking when, when, when we were starting to get the show going, uh, something occurred to me. Um, b- before we put you on the, on the couch and, and go into some deep psychoanalysis <laughs> about your childhood and stuff, I wanted to mention a story to you that I don't think I've mentioned to you uh, since I saw you last. But uh, a couple months ago, you and the comptroller and a good friend of ours from the governor's office came over to my house for dinner. Um, and my dog walker, probably about an hour before you got there, my dog walker uh, came in the house with one of my dogs and she said, Trey, there's this really sketchy looking car sitting in front of your house. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, I left with Winston to go walk around the block and um, there was this car driving really slowly in front of your house and I kind of stared them down. And uh, then they sped off and you know turned the corner. And uh, when I finished walking Winston and I came back, it was parked in front of your house. And I thought, well, that's strange, right? So I walk outside, and there's this black Crown Vic sitting out there. And I started laughing, and I said, Emma, that is the attorney general's security detail. That is not a sketchy car. So uh, we had some good laughs about that. I knew that's the answer. I knew when you started it where this was going. <laughs> right, right. But a quality dog walker is hard to find. I mean, how many dog walkers would bring that to your attention? That's true. That's good help. True. You should uh, pay her more, whatever it is. <laughs> well, she left. She left. So I've, I've got, I kind of cycle through them. I've got a new one now. Was it's a new sketchy? semester. She was a very nice girl, and she got a real job. So she had to move on to something else. But um, so that, what did you think of the mill that night? Did you uh, like it? Well, it was, it was an interesting meal. It was very good. But it was interesting that when you were uh, preparing the steaks that you had uh, only three states. I thought that was interesting since there were going to be four people. So, of course, <laughs> I brought that up to you. And you s- I said, is there a purpose? Is somebody not getting a steak? And you said, oh, that's interesting. I miscounted. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should never be allowed to do math. Now, he comes in. and Three and, steaks. Yeah, that's how you get a nickname, Trey. In three stakes tray. That, uh, that mo- that's my mobster name, three stakes. <laughs> or it's some sort of uh, technique. Yes, we only need three. One of you will have to go. <laughs> well, I kind of wondered, like, who wasn't eating. And I, didn't, I was kind of concerned it might be me. <laughs> I, well, I could see the look on your face as I was, you know, seasoning the steaks. And I could tell you were thinking something. And finally, I think you said, uh, is Hager not coming? And I said, no, he's coming. And, and, and you said, well, you only have three steaks. <laughs> and I looked down. It's like, gee, I can't do anything right, you know. But I you should. remedied it very quickly. Somehow, the dog, was it the dog walker that brought the steak? No. So, thank God for favor. Uh, maybe what did you do five years ago? Yeah, you wouldn't have been able to do this five years ago. But I got on my phone, and I have an app called Favor. And I was able to get on Favor and tell someone, go to Whole Foods, get me a New York strip, and come to my house really fast. And I mean, it showed up pretty fast, right? Yeah, I mean, that was amazing. Long, I was kind of so. impressed that you could have a steak delivered <laughs> to your house in like, you know, 20, <laughs> 25 minutes. Yeah, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And you, and it seemed like you expected it to come. This was another amazing thing. You know, I, I, my poker face. Yes. I, I was scared. I was scared it was not going to show <laughs> up. Did you put in the comments on favor? It's for the attorney general <laughs> crying out loud. Step <laughs> hurry, on it, man. Hurry. 
Well, no, he had his stake designated. You know, he poked his finger on it and said, this one's mine. Uh, Hager can do without a stake. But he wasn't there. Last in, <laughs> last, last out. So to, to get our audience up to speed, uh, you are currently the Attorney General of the state of Texas. You were elected to the Texas House of Representatives in 2002. You were elected to the Texas Senate in 2012. And then you were elected to the, to, to the Office of Attorney General in 2014. So it's a quite a long political career that you've had so far. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed it. It was uh, not something that I planned. I didn't plan to run for state representative, didn't really plan on running for Senate, and certainly never thought I was running for Attorney General. Just the opportunity came up at each stage, and it's been really a privilege to, to serve and really a joy to, to serve in the state of Texas, especially given I've, I've, I've lived in so many other states. To have the opportunity to serve in Texas is really uh, remarkable and amazing. Well, we appreciate your service, that's for sure, but you weren't born in Texas. You were born in North Dakota. North Dakota. My not North do, Dakota. You, do you say it like that, North Dakota? I don't. So I only <laughs> I, I lived there five years. So I, I was five. Or is that how you say Minnesota? Minnesota. It's Minnesota. That's I nice. Know. I didn't know you were doing impressions now. That's good. <laughs> Branching out. But you were you you were uh, born into a military family. Mm-hmm. How, how was it bouncing around? So my dad was Air Force pilot. So we moved from North Dakota to Florida to North Carolina to New York to California to Oklahoma. So, it, you know, you had to adjust. You had to make new friends quickly, and you had to realize you probably weren't staying very long at where you were at. So it had its ups and downs. You learned how to adjust, but you also missed the opportunity to develop long-term relationships. So, you know, my wife is same same area entire growing up, and she has friends from kindergarten. Right. I don't know where my friends from high school are. So, Which one was the hardest to leave, as you recall? The hardest for me was leaving California because I was a junior in high school, and to move from mm. California to Lawton, Oklahoma, was, <laughs> was somewhat of an adjustment. No one does that willingly. <laughs> it was uh, it was interesting. Well, so I guess that probably primed you for a future political career, re- whether you realized it at the time or not, because you had to make friends right uh, quickly. Uh, and get to know new people and new personalities, that's probably served you well. Well, yeah. If you didn't make new friends quickly, you didn't have friends. <laughs> so, yeah. There is that. <laughs> there is that. Well, and what was there, uh, was there ever a day where you thought, military is the path for me, or you want to follow Dad's footsteps, or how did so, that play out? So, uh, I, was, I had an injury when I was 12, and I knew after that there was no way I was going into the military. So, I never really considered it as a legitimate option. So, uh I think if I hadn't had that injury, I would have been open to it and probably thought of it as a as a possible career. Well, what was it that uh, you said you hadn't planned to get into public service? Was there um, something memorable that kind of changed your mind and made you decide to run for office? Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was living in McKinney, Texas, and I, I had a lot of friends. There was an open a new house seat being created in in Collin County, and I had a lot of friends that asked me to consider running. So. It wasn't something I was looking for because, one, I thought it would be difficult to run for an office with four little kids that you make $600 a month at. And sure. You know, if you're, if you're working and you have to leave for five months, and that's not counting special sessions, that can be difficult financially. But the benefits are great, right? The benefits. <laughs> Isn't that what everyone says? Yeah. Great health insurance. Yeah. Great health insurance. Well, um, to stay on track, because Trey has an outline. Um, Keep bringing that up. You're not supposed to bring up the outline. The outline is part of the show. It is the it's the fourth it's the fourth character on on this episode. But um, before all this, you met your wife, and it was at Baylor, and 
Um, I don't know if everyone knows this, but you had a pet bear. Was 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 she like wooed by this pet bear, or how how did you meet your wife? Was that the pickup line that did it? No, we actually had met the a year earlier before uh, the bear. So before, she was pre bear. She was pre bear <laughs> living in my apartment. I, we had the bear. I I was in the, a club at Baylor called Chamber that took care of the mascot, and so every two years we get a new cub. The year that we got the cub was my senior year. We didn't have it my junior year. We had the bigger bears. Okay. So uh, we we met in an honor leadership honor society, and then she ended up living in the same complex. So she certainly saw the bear. Did she like the bear? Everybody liked the bear. Well, it was a cub. It was a. It was cute. Um, did you name him Winnie the Pooh? No. <laughs> Every bear had to have at Baylor because it, uh, the school was started by Judge Baylor. Every bear's name always was Judge whatever. Judge something. Huh. Did it have to be an actual judge? No. It oh, could be okay. Judge Daisy or Judge gotcha. whatever. Any name In the 70s, know. Judge Starship. Judge Winnie the perhaps. Pooh. Judge Winnie the Pooh. Well, what was it that made um, your wife decide you were the pony to bet on? If you didn't have the bear. <laughs> <laughs> you'd really have to ask her. All right. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you were student body president. Correct. We have that in common. So, what what did the what did the role entail at Baylor? Uh, so it was you were over student congress. Uh, you had some executive functions. I my goal really was to, to. I had a couple of things I wanted to start that I wanted. I felt would be good for long term. Long term at Baylor. So one of the, the cooler things I could do is start the thing called Stepping Out, which was a uh, community. It got Baylor students involved in, in doing community service projects. So we had a day where the, I sent out our first, our first one had 1,500 students, went out into the community and, you know, just did community service. The goal was to get them involved year-round. Year and so now stepping out is a year-long year program oh, wow. with a spring event and a fall event. So it's turned into exactly what I hoped it would so that the community would know that Baylor students are not just, you know, that's right. that's right you got to give back to the local folks yeah so that's what we did so as, as you know i i was student body president at hamden sydney in virginia mm -hmm. where i went to school and my job was just to throw parties <laughs> <laughs> that's not true yeah i was about that's to say no at hamden sydney we had a student run honor system and we had a very simple honor code uh, that said you do not lie cheat or steal nor do you tolerate those who do mm -hmm. And so as student body president, it was actually a pretty serious position in that I had to investigate honor, uh, suspected honor code violations and decide whether this particular student was going to go in front of the student honor court or not. And so that's a heavy burden for a 21-year-old, but it uh, taught me a lot. That's great. Yeah, we had the same honor code at University of Virginia where I went to law school, exact same. Well, was being president of the student body at Baylor what made you decide to go to UVA for law school, or had you already decided on law? No, I actually had intended on taking a year off and going to Baylor Law School, and uh, instead I got offered a, a full scholarship to get my MBA at Baylor, so I did that, and after I saw all my friends going through Baylor Law School, I decided that was not for me. <laughs> <laughs> Too hard? Well, Too they, much work? Well, it is tough. They have a tough three years. Right. Um, a lot of law schools, the first year is tough, and it gets better after that. Right. At Baylor, it gets worse, so... Well, and, and at UVA, if I remember correctly, everybody just plays softball, right? It's uh, pretty prevalent. <laughs> it's pretty prevalent. Uh, it, it's, it's also nice because y there's a B mean in every class, which was appealing to me. A what? And Explain that. Yeah, say again. So every class had to have a B average. So it made it really hard to get 
hard harder to get bad grades, which I like that. Yeah. So also uh, we had the most number of employers interviewing in the country. I like those odds. So it's kind of like once you got in, you knew you were probably in good shape for some type of job. Sure. Is pragmatist a decent way to describe you? Uh, it seems pragmatic. Well, it was uh, in that case, it was risk averse. I knew I was <laughs> going to get a job. <laughs> hey, I think that's good strategery. Well, and yeah. also knowing I was coming back to Texas, you know, law firms like diversity and where they hire from. And I figured my chances of getting a job from UVA were better than UT. So that was sure. my other consideration. Consider just going to UT. And, and I felt like my chances were better competing against, you know, 20 people that wanted to come back to Dallas from UVA versus, you know, 200 from Texas. Right. Well, before Baylor, had you ever been, had your father ever been stationed in Texas? Was Baylor your first um, trip to Texas or your first, I guess, encounter with the state? Yes. I had never lived in Texas. Not sure I'd even been to Texas other than maybe for a couple of cowboy games. Uh, But yeah, it was my, I I visited, I was literally on campus for an hour and I thought, this is where I want to (laughs) go. And my dad was, no, it isn't. This is twice as much as OU. <laughs> so uh, he made me pay the difference. Well, that's fair. That's well, fair. I didn't mind. I was happy to do it. Well, your wife, uh, she, ha- she, has, she has connections all the way back to kindergarten. Um, Actually, she was born in Texas, so she has connections back to you know, day one. Preschool. How does that affect your uh, family dynamic now? I'm, I'm sure um, as you know, parents, I'm a parent, I've got two kids, and I just, I feel like, we have a we have a, a similarity there. My wife kind of moved around, changed schools a bunch, and I grew up in Austin, and I have all the same friends I've had my whole life, and I, I find that she keeps things interesting because she's got a new idea every day, <laughs> and I I feel like it kind of balances us out. And I just wonder, raising kids um, with different backgrounds, do you do you find it they complement one one another? Sure. And so we have four children. So that's kept us really busy over the last 24 wow. years. So what day it is. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so what's the age range? So Tucker's going to be 24 in February. We have a 22 year well, Abby will be 22 in April, 20 year old and an 18 year old, uh, one in high school, senior, two, one at Texas A&M, one at Baylor nursing school, uh, wow. on our way to the air force actually Oh, very as nice. an intelligence officer. And then my son is a, he's a software engineer for EA games. He designs games. Wow. Very interesting. He lives out in California and he's living the life. You know, that's Ah. the Hollywood no one talks about. It's dwarfed. The video game industry is so huge. It's a billion dollar, multi billion dollar industry. He is in the the throes of designing whatever their newest video game is. He will not tell me what it is. Well, so uh, we may need to connect some dots here because I have a good friend who worked with me at the Capitol back when I guess I was in law school. He was an undergrad at UT. And he has just started turning Apocalypse Now into a video game. So he's working with Francis Ford Coppola wow. to turn that into a video game. So um, I'd like to connect those two. Yeah. I mean, that's what Tucker does. He loves it. He goes into work in flip-flops and shorts. And it's interesting because it's top secret. So my daughter is actually going to go into the Air Force. She's a nursing student. She's actually going in as an intelligence officer. And I'm trying to figure out which security clearance will be higher, hers or my son's. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, So uh, your kids are mostly out of the house. So when you're not politicking, what do you do for fun? You know, I love sports. I've got a lot of college football games, got a lot of baseball games, got a lot of, I mean, just whatever sport is around. I love to be outdoors. I love to run. I like to travel. So we do a fair bit of traveling. So we're 
We're busy. We're having fun. Where's the hike the- and bike is, is is a good place to jog. What's that? The hike and bike trail here is a great place to jog. I, I imagine if you like to jog, it's easy to find an excuse. I was there this morning, uh, especially on a day like today, right? It's gorgeous. A little chilly this morning. I was out there about six, and it's it's a little chilly, but it's 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 pretty good. Yeah. Well, um, now there've been a, a um, some change. Where, where are we? I'm lost on the outline, Trey. Number two. Number two. Jesus. Oh, okay. It's about okay. Okay. So what does the attorney general do? I was about to go into the Trump thing. I was going to ask you what. I was going to say throw parties, but that, we're, that's we're, already been used. Yes, we're still trying to teach him to read. You know, it's tough. You know, you say that, but <laughs> words get or letters get flipped around sometimes. Okay. I feel like I'm one of those kids of the 80s that not, just went undiagnosed. Now you're making me feel bad. Uh, that's that's, what, cool. that's my point. That's not cool. You know, your words have, your words have meaning, they're Trey. Hurt, they're hurtful. <laughs> so a lot of our listeners aren't in politics um some of them don't even listen or, i mean <laughs> listen don't live in texas in fact i got an email this morning from a guy in australia that i met over there and he said he listened to the podcast and loved it and subscribed so tell my buddy in australia what the texas attorney general does so we have several functions it's almost like four different agencies. We, we, we manage the crime victim fund, so it, the legislature gives us a pot of money and we, we dole it out to people who have been impacted by crime. Uh, we also have a child support division, which has about 2,700 people in it, including lawyers, and they collect child support, which we t- are very good at, very efficient at. We collect about $4 billion a year, and we have about a million clients that we take care of. So it's, it's a oh, big, wow. big, big operation. We also uh, have a law enforcement division. We have about 180 police officers, and they deal with issues like, uh, you know, tracking down child predators, fugitives. We we track down sometimes over 100 fugitives a month, and then we've really focused since I've been in my office. We started a human trafficking division, so we are trying to make Texas not the number two state in the country for human trafficking, and see if we can make an impact on educating people and uh, prosecuting others who are, are are bent on on trafficking, you know, mostly children. That's mm. awful. I don't think most people realize that that's as big of a problem as it is in the, in this country and around the world, for that matter. I think that's accurate, and that's what we're trying to do. Partly is educate. We have we have uh, three attorneys and five uh, basically investigators, and part of what we do is send them out to educate people about the warning signs of human trafficking, so that so we can stop it before it happens. You know, we we'll prosecute it, but we'd certainly rather it never happen. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, when you're just saying that, I'm like, which part of the job prepares you for even understanding that that's an actual thing and not only a thing but a massive problem well and it wasn't something that was in our office that we started it about a year ago january of last year so it's a new initiative by my office and it was it was just something that i was aware of concerned about and if i had the opportunity ever i wanted to be in a position where i could try to do something about it sure and then our final which is what most people think of we represent the state in litigation we'll sue we'll, we'll defend we have about 800 lawyers and we represent all the state agencies. We'll represent the legislature. Um, we deal with uh, issues like uh, issuing opinions. People will ask us uh, questions, legal questions, which we'll answer. We also get about 30,000 open records request questions about whether government, agents or government agencies or government entities have to disclose certain information to the public, and we answer those questions. Wow. Um, so we have a you know, busy office. We have uh, certain lawyers that argue in front of the U.S. Supreme Court and Fifth Circuit, and so it's it, we do almost everything. 
So you are the largest law firm in the state of Texas. We are. Right? And, w- and we literally, we even have a, a criminal division that prosecutes a lot of times. Uh, we do a lot of capital cases, uh, capital murder, because a lot of counties, we don't have original jurisdiction over criminal cases for the most part, but we get asked to help and we can do that. And so we'll Resources. Actually, yeah, well, also, yeah, we have resources and talent. And so we'll, we'll prosecute a lot of those cases if, if we're asked. Nice. So, so you basically have a bunch of lawmakers also coming to you saying, what can I get away with? <laughs> well, Isn't that kind of it? Like they present uh, this and they go, is this legal? Can we do this? Well, yeah. So basically they'll present statutes to us and say, hey, what's the best way to award this? So we'll often help them craft you know, a, a way to make it work under law. Okay. So they're not doing something unconstitutional. So we, we, we get a lot Keep of Keep them questions. on the up and up. Yeah. Well, and, and they're asking for help, so we're, we're glad to provide that. So I know that you have, uh, under, the, under the Obama administration, you sued the Obama administration uh, quite a few times, and, and your predecessor did as well. Um, so now you don't have that problem anymore. What do you think of the new administration? Well, so we sued in, in about 24 months. We sued 22 times, so almost wow. once a month. We still have all that going on, so we have to resolve that. Obviously, it's very beneficial to us to have a new Trump administration because we feel like we can resolve a lot of those issues before we have a final, you know, judgment by a court. Mm, so okay. some of them are going to take time because agencies have to make new rules, and that's a longer process. But it's encouraging. Um, I've ob- obviously, it's been also encouraging just to see some of the positions and things that are getting done quickly. Uh, some of the cabinet appointments have been very encouraging because, you know, Scott Pruitt from Oklahoma was an AG that sued with me at the EPA many right, times. Right. Now he's on the other side. It's kind of nice to have somebody yeah. understand. Great guy. Wow. Great guy. Great guy. We also have, obviously, Governor Perry with energy. We're dealing, I was talking to him today. We have some issues we have to resolve with him now. Um, see, having Jeff Sessions as, as Attorney General for the United States, obviously he was very supportive in our immigration lawsuits. And so having him switch sides on issues like voter ID and other things are, is, is going to be helpful. Real Absolutely. quick, do you have an opinion how, speaking of uh, um, Senator Sessions, um, do you have an opinion how things were handled by Sally Yates in the interim waiting for his uh, approval? So I, I don't know much about it, but obviously uh, Donald Trump didn't appreciate it. He didn't like her too much. <laughs> no, he, he didn't appreciate whatever she was doing. You're fired. But yeah. could anything get through that? your office without you knowing about it kind of thing? That's how I wonder about it because it sure. seems like. There's 4,200 people in my office. I, it's going to be very unlikely that I know about, you know, I'm, I'm going to be fortunate if I know, you know, less than 1% of what's going on on a, on a daily basis just because there's so many things going on. Right. So what do you think of President Trump's Supreme Court nominee? Very excited about him. Uh, seems like, obviously, has a great academic background. Went to Columbia, Harvard, and uh, obviously couldn't get Never in. heard of him. Well, obviously couldn't get into the <laughs> University of Virginia for a long time. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, went to Oxford and then, you know, served 10 years on the 10th Circuit, starting at the age of 39. The guy has uh, written many opinions. He seems to be a guy that is in the mold of a Scalia, which he cares about the, the text of a statute as opposed right. to imposing his own views. He cares about the text of the Constitution as opposed to imposing his own constitutional views. So, you know, that's what I'm looking for. We want the certainty of knowing we have we have a judiciary that interprets law rather than imposing their own views as a legislator would. Wow. And so, the pedigree is, I mean, like as you listed, it's, it's pretty remarkable how someone has the time and brains to pull all that off. It's pretty amazing. Yep. And it, the gentleman we're talking about is named Neil Gorsuch. Is that how he pronounces his I name? I believe so. Yeah. I've actually never heard him say it. 
Hmm. But interestingly enough, one of my friends clerked with him when he was clerking at the Supreme Court when they were, you know, lost it right after they'd finished their, their, their law degrees. Really impressed with the guy. I said he's a great choice, smart guy, great guy. So I wonder if this is going to be a difficult nomination process. Well, the Democrats, you know, they're going to scream about it. But look, they've, there's four years to go. They're not going to be able to win this. And so I'm very hopeful that this will get done and we can have a, another good judge on the Supreme Court. Right. That'd be awesome. So um, as we all know, the Texas legislature is currently in session. Uh, it just started last month. Are there any issues over there that you are keeping a close eye on? Well, sanctuary city is an important issue. I voted on that when I was in the legislature. Unfortunately, we didn't pass it, didn't get through the Senate. Uh, but obviously, Governor Abbott has made that a top priority. That's that's obviously a big issue for our state this, as it relates to security for our citizens. Uh, I'm very interested. I heard him talk about um, property tax relief, which I have have touted for you know the t- entire time I was in the legislature. I'm I've, I've been convinced that our property taxes are too high and that Tell people me about it. people are being forced out of their homes that are you know can't uh, can't afford to to pay for it. And here's the reality: I mean, you, we are renters. We are renting our homes from the government because as soon as you don't pay, they take it. Right. So at some point, it, it seems like you ought to be able to own your home and not have the risk of losing it to the government. Do you take hugs? Uh, so nice to I'm, hear that I'm, after I, the show yes please <laughs> i mean seriously i mean as a regular taxpayer and it, it just it, every year it gets more and more and that thought that you just pointed out is it possible to ever actually just own your own home because the tax bill can get so out of out of control that you don't you don't you're just a you're a tenant waiting for that day you are a tenant you don't own your home the government does because the proof is in the pudding you don't pay they take your home right so what was that really bad movie from probably 15 years ago with tom cruise and nicole kidman where he rides his horse out across the field far and away far and away and he takes his white flag and he puts it in the ground right that's how i kind of imagine america and i think that somebody if they wanted to go put a white flag in the ground uh, and raise some chickens and some goats and never talk to anybody, they should be able to do that, but they can't because they're always going to have to have some kind of job to make some greenbacks to pay rent to the government, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Oh, that's unfortunate. We're renters. Well, it sounds like there are a lot of challenges um, ahead this session, and um, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you this question that's kind of occupying uh, the current news cycle, But um, and we know legally – may not be able to say that much about it, but what's the emotional impact as a, as a human being, as a, as a father, a husband, as a public servant, what, what's the emotional impact of, of being indicted pretty right sur- now? Pretty surreal for a guy that's, you know, I, I've never even gotten a speeding ticket. So to, 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 to see it happening and to realize that, that it's, it's just, it's beyond belief. It's, it's, it was really just stunning to me that they, that I could be living in Texas. I could be living in America and the way they went about doing this was so wrong, it just, it was hard to believe. And, you know, obviously I've seen other friends, Governor Perry, you know, Kay Bailey Hutchinson, Tom DeLay, all indicted in the state. Uh, it's definitely happening in our state. I've had many attorney generals across the state say, we love Texas. You guys do everything ab- about perfect, except it's really scary to be in your state as an elected official because all your guys get indicted. So almost no, sounds like a rite of passage. It's it's just part of our culture here. We go after people we don't agree with, and we try to make uh, things that are normal things crimes. Can't we all just get along? <laughs> I'm for that. Yeah, me too. So w- where do you see your future going from here? 
So hopefully, you know, uh, in, a, in a year, there's another primary for re-election. So I'm, I'm hopeful to, to have the opportunity to, to run again. So if I'm, if I'm uh, still alive, I plan on being <laughs> in that race. <laughs> I, any aspirations for different office or higher office? You know, I have never really much thought about higher office. It, it, you might think that's strange since I have moved from House to Senate, but I never planned on any of it. I, 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 I was in the House for 10 years. I thought that was sufficient. And then a Senate seat opened up, and people encouraged me to run, so I ran. But I had no idea that I'd be running for attorney general. So I don't really sit around and think about what my next office right. I've always thought politicians spend too much time worrying about what they're doing next, and they miss the opportunity that they're in, which is every day having an opportunity to do something good where they're at. So, sure. you know, maybe I'll do something else, but the reality is if this is the last thing I did, as long I just want to use every day that I have an office for something productive and good that will benefit the state of Texas and benefit the people I serve. That's incredible. That's awesome. Well, Attorney General Paxton, we appreciate you being here. And as, as I mentioned to you, we, we're starting a tradition on this show um, where we are having our special guest come armed with a, a quote, a Bible verse, a song verse, or some words of wisdom that uh, you can share with our audience. So what do you got for us? Well, so you'll have to first admit that you gave me very little notice. <laughs> <on this. laughs> I did. I, I sent a text this afternoon. I thought, oh, I forgot to tell him about this. Sorry. I so apologize. fortunately, you know, I made something up. Uh, I was, <laughs> okay. I was, uh, when I was at Baylor and I was in this club that took care of the bears called chamber, there was a, there was a quote that we all got that often Reagan would quote. It was actually an Albert Schweitzer quote that said, there's no limit to what a man can do if he doesn't care who gets the credit. And so I've always tried to keep that in mind as I, I, I try to make a difference for in whatever role I've been in to think about, you know, what's the best thing for the people that I represent and don't worry about if you can pass it off to somebody, they can get it done better. Or there's, there, it, it doesn't matter who gets the credit. And I've, I've found a lot of satisfaction in paying attention to that particular quote. We appreciate you sharing that okay. with us. And yeah. thanks for being here. Thank you for being here. Hey, thank you for having me on. <laughs> You've been listening to The Trey Blocker Show. You can find us at treyblocker.com or through your favorite podcast listening app.